in for a Thursday morning. And, of course, it's time to say hi to Steve Vines. Do join us on Facebook Live if you can. Morning Brew is the page. Also email morningbrew at rthk.hk. I've got a couple of emails, but we'll get to when... His lordship is ready. Good morning, Steve. How are Good morning. You? Good morning. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the listener can 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 genuflect if they wish to. He is. <laughs> so here we go. Talking of um, taking the knee, as they call it. Um, it. This is this extraordinary business that's going on at the moment. The world is awash with a debate over Black Lives Matter, following these appalling events in the United States with a mm. a man. George Floyd being killed, strangled to death in, in, in full public view, as it turned out, because there was a video of it. Uh, the details of this are well known, so we don't need to go into it. But, sure. you know, but, but, but the, the wider question is institutional racism in the United States of America. Are the police force irredeemably institutionally racist? And as it spread to other countries like Britain, like France, etc., etc. Was it already there in the first place? Uh, uh, people are saying, oi... It, you, you think it's bad in America, it's pretty bad here too. I, my, my view is they have a point in all of these places. The people who I think are on very shaky grounds are the triumphalists in the slave press here and, of course, in the mainland press on the mainland who are saying, see, see how hypocritical it is of the Americans, let's deal with the Americans first, to criticise us for human rights violations when in their very own country... In that country, there are people being systematically discriminated against, etc., etc. Now, they have a point on the surface, but if I was persuaded for one moment that the mainland and the People's Republic of China was a subscriber to the idea of Black Lives Matter, I would, <laughs> I would say, go for it, boys. But, I mean, as we've seen in Guangzhou with the treatment of Africans, um, they're the appalling treatment of Africans there during the uh, coronavirus crisis where they were chucked out of their homes, where they weren't allowed into shops, they weren't allowed into restaurants, etc., etc. Yeah. There, there's, there's a name for that. It's called racial discrimination. We saw some pictures and videos and stuff, and once again we have to ask, even though they look clear as day, were they kosher? But got to I, ask it, haven't you? I think there, was, there is sufficient evidence of, of, of what was going on there. But even if there wasn't, even if there wasn't, there is this bizarre narrative that's being fostered in the mainland. And as I say, the, the usual suspects in the slave press here have taken it up very, very avidly of hypocrisy on behalf of the Americans. So let's, let's deal with this face on. What is the difference between discrimination in China, for example, against its Uyghur population, where a million people were sent to concentration camps, and racial discrimination in America. Anywhere. Is it possible yeah. that you could be against both? Gosh, yes, it is. I mean, you look at all the organisations who've been campaigning for human rights. It's on the record. You don't need to make this up. You look at Amnesty International. You look at um, uh, human rights in China. You look at all of these organisations. Mm. They are unqualified in their condemnation of what has been going on in America. And, and I happen to know some of these people personally in America, not here. They've been on demonstrations um, supporting the Black Lives Matter Matters movement. And, you know, they, they don't feel they're conflicted in the smallest way. Because if you believe in human rights... Because that's outside. Well, I was just going to say, if you believe in human rights, 
look at the name on the tin human rights doesn't say human rights in america it doesn't say human rights in china if you actually believe it you believe in it you believe in it wherever it is you're against discrimination wherever it is so the idea that that china can assume the high moral ground on this issue i find just breathtaking um tell me how is it rationalized when it's when... rationalized by saying and and here here we are we're on we're we're on what i call nuanced ground it's saying how dare somebody like donald trump criticize us for human rights violations when it's you know it's rife in his own country mm-hmm. well in breaking news can i tell you i have a suspicion that that donald trump isn't the fair-minded um non-racialist person that everybody who's listening to this probably believes that he is I know that's a controversial thing to say, and nobody said it before, but, you know, give me a break. You bring up a brilliant point, Steve. What about this notion? We've heard it all when it comes to people protesting, stroke rioting, stroke whatever people think they're doing, versus what's happening in America or London. The comparison is always thrown out. Yeah, but what about? Where's your yeah, evidence? Exactly. Yeah, but so what about? Let's now, is that chalk let's, and oranges, let's Steve? Now go is, to, is let's now thing? go to this. Yeah. So what is the difference in America? I mean... It, Set aside um, the personality of Donald Trump, <laughs> lots of people have just had breakfast, so we don't want to discuss that. But I mean, set that aside. But look at the look at the system. I always think that in the end of the day, you look at the system. He is being held to account by legislators. Did you see all those dissident voices in the MPC when it met last month? I don't think you did. Mm. The police who are accused of this appalling behaviour, criminal behaviour in the United States, have been arrested and charged. The police chiefs are having to come before the microphones, explain themselves to the public, because you have a free and open press. The system itself allows individual legislators on the floor of Congress to bring forward legislation, which is what they're doing at the moment, Mm. to try and institute laws that will minimise the effects of this um, institutional racial discrimination. None of the above, none of the above is permitted within the People's Republic of China. So, good, let's have the compare and contrast debate and see where it brings us. Are there elements of hypocrisy in America? Oh, gosh. Is the Pope Catholic? Yes, of course there are. Are there elements of outrageous behaviour in the United States or Britain or wherever you want to to, to choose? Yes. The point is we actually know about them. How do we know about them? Because the press, the media in these countries itself is the most avid reporter of them. Do you think we've seen in the People's Daily or my favourite newspaper, the Global Times, reports of treatment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang? I don't think so. In fact, I know not. I want to join everything you've just been talking about together. I want to invite our listeners to join us on Morning Brew's Facebook Live page because I'm putting up news items and stuff as we go. We're looking at one right now that actually says Trump to sign Uyghur sanctions legislation. So let's bring in everything that, together that, you've that, just been talking that, that about. That indeed is from yesterday, if, I, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, I mean, th- this is where, again, they, they went into full, the man's a total hypocrite, blah, blah, blah. Well, as I keep saying, yes, he may well be a total hypocrite, but he's signing it on behalf of a country where there has been debate. That legislation 
in case any of these numbskulls don't understand how the system works, mm -hmm. originated on the floor of the two houses of Congress. It, it, it actually is not an initiative taken by the president. He was leveraged into doing it by bipartisan agreement throughout the Congress on this matter. So, yes, yes, he is doing that. Is he a bad man for doing that? No, I don't think he's a bad man the for doing, doing that. Doing is the word I want to pick you up well, on he's, because he's, we've heard about all of these things. Well, that we'll America see. Incidentally, that legislation. Yeah. yeah, I know that legislation. Uh, the, the devil is in the detail. Let's see how it's actually implemented. Remember, there's two pieces of legislation on the stocks now in America regarding Hong Kong. Yeah, and we still actually don't know what either of those. That's what I mean. Either of those means. So, we're, but these again were the result of bipartisan pressure. Yeah. They they resulted from people protesting against what was happening as the response to protests in Hong Kong. So, you know, we we, we don't really know. My my view is, and I've said this many times, but I'll just be boring and say it again, is that Hong Kongers really shouldn't rely on people outside of Hong Kong to come charging to the rescue. It's very good that there is international attention, but ultimately Hong Kong's destiny will be decided within Hong Kong and within China. Yeah. What do you think about the way the news uh, bodies have written this thing? Boris Johnson, the UK government would be open to... Da -da 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 -da. It's contemplating being open to well, B&O passports and stuff. What about well, that language? I mean, let, let, let's now look at that one. I mean, God... Relying on Boris Johnson is like relying on the bloke on the corner sending you some dodgy postcards. It, it's not something that I would, I would invest a lot of money in. The, the, the fact of the matter is that anybody who was born in Hong Kong prior to 1997, when the ghastly era of colonial oppression ended here, is entitled to a British passport. That could be up to three million people, although in fact only one-tenth of that number currently owns these these British National Overseas passports because they're pretty worthless as it stands. They're a travel document hmm. that, as I know from travelling with people who have BNOs, cause more confusion than they do facilitate travel. But anyway, anyway, the fact of the matter is that that offer has been made, and these are the terms in which it's been made. The British government is considering a path to citizenship yeah. for people who who have entitlement to a BNO passport. Let's see how that pans out. If it pans out that 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 they do what they say they'll do, that would be a remarkable thing. Incidentally, uh, the, the the point that is often overlooked here, I think that if literally hundreds or thousands or possibly millions of Hong Kong people did indeed have a British passport, it would give them more reason to stay rather than more reason to go because it would be the insurance. This is what people want. They fear for the future. They certainly fear much more for the future since the introduction of the national security legislation. But on the whole, people don't want to go, but they do want an exit point. So... That's you, are, what it, you are Sydney Segway this morning because you're talking about because of the introduction. Well, it's still at the stage where nobody really I'm knows. Segway, do you Sydney mind? Segway. <laughs> nobody really knows what's going to happen. We've got people, science. You know, we've got certain big companies where, that you put your money in, pledging allegiance to something that hasn't. It, they yeah, don't, I mean, they don't I, know the ins and outs of it yet. What, what I love about the HSBC kowtow is, you know, they go down on they go down on one knee, and the immediate response is, "You've got two knees." If you're going to do a kowtow, bow lower. The, the, 
I think two days, I don't think I know because I looked it up before I came here, two days after um, the, the good folk at HSBC um, hurried to sign a petition saying how wonderful the national security legislation, the details that of which they don't know, yeah. um, <laughs> was, and they um, released an announcement saying that it was very wonderful. The Global Times said, mm, you know, too late. Too but, late. But, but this is but, the emperor's new clothes at the moment. Well, well, I mean, what they were saying was very interesting. Is oh well, you know, look at HSBC. Mm, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be expecting a bit more from them. And now, and now, look what's going to happen with Cathay Pacific. Oh, Steve, you and I, <laughs> we're, 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 we're we're either telephonic or telepathic, one of the two. Because there, it's called Devil in <coughs> Deep Blue Sea, right now. It for is both Devil in Deep Blue Sea. So the the current situation, in case anybody's been napping, and if you are, wake up, um, is that that um, and these are technical terms. Um, Cathay Pacific is pretty screwed at the moment uh, for the unremarkable reason, like all airlines around the world, it doesn't have any passengers. Yeah, there Gosh, is that. who knew that was ever going to be a problem? So they're losing money like a drain. They need recapitalization. They need bridging loans. And they've got all of the above from the Hong Kong government. Mm. The price that will be paid by, uh, by Cathay, and remember, this is Cathay, who in August... <clears throat> had to send the chairman of their parent company, Swire Pacific, up to Beijing. Not to kowtow, he actually had to prostrate himself to say, I am... Fair I, play, I, it's I, come I am, a long way. I am, I am so sorry. You say that members of our staff have been joining the Hong Kong protests. I'm more than devastated. Don't worry, they'll be fired. So they then fire all these staff. They then fire the chief executive, the deputy chief executive. The chairman of the company subsequently resigns. I don't know if that was on grounds of Will, Will Health or... or misspeaking so you know they they order the company to do a purge of its staff and then they say oh and by the way any of your planes come into our airspace we will need a full full um flight manifest because there may be people on it who we don't like i mean <coughs> i understand cathay's in a difficult situation because and some because it cannot fly anywhere without going into chinese airspace or practically can't fly anywhere without going into chinese airspace <coughs> so all the cards are stacked their main shareholder is state-owned air china and their business in hong kong is entirely dependent on these very valuable landing slots that they have in Hong Kong, mm. which in turn are controlled indirectly through by the government here through the airport authority. So, I mean, there is total control on what they do. Mm. There's nothing they can do without government control. The government here, if they're ordered to, to um, jump by Beijing, always bravely says, and how high would you like me to jump, sirs? I want you to explain something for us, but let, let me just finish that. So, the, the point is, mm -hmm. the point is, they're in, you know, in a what's-it-to-hell. Yeah. But in this new deal that's been done and i don't know why people aren't making more of this they will gain on their board two government representatives who are not full members of the board but are observers what do you think they're there for i would use the word political commissar yeah and that incidentally all, really. is the system that that prevails on the mainland is that every major company has government representatives sitting on the board for the purpose of political control mm. if these two as yet unnamed individuals do anything else other than that i will eat my air ticket give us a minute on the notion of too big to fail 
because that's what people are saying. Well, I mean, you know, what they're saying is it's too big to fail. If, if Hong Kong's flag carrier goes down, not only <coughs> does the, the airline itself go down, but the, the, there's a sort of domino effect of jobs all over the place. I actually think this is true. Hmm. And I'm actually not, I'm not ideologically imposed to the idea, opposed to the idea of governments bailing out crucial companies within an economy. Yeah. The, the devil is in the detail, how it's done, what controls are going to be done. And I would have thought crucially, which is absent from this package, what is going to be done to protect all those jobs when one of the rationales for saving the airline is, oh, that's right. To protect jobs. I mean, if you hear government spokesmen, they all talk about protecting jobs, but Cathay has given no such pledge. Hold that thought. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. News on the way. Thanks for joining us. Come on uh, Morning Brew's Facebook page if you want. Hello to Tom, Steve, David in Australia, Mark is in Dubai. Uh, that's abroad, isn't that's it? That's actually your real abroad. And, and, <coughs> and Gary, who's in Hong Kong, I'm assuming, says the gullible times. I think I know what he was on about. <laughs> anyway, come and find us on our Morning Brew page. We'll be back with you in just a second. is still all yours, Steve. Well, we were talking... Do you want to deal with some of these electronic mails? Do, or, uh, or... If, if you want to, yeah, yeah we tell could. You, I, tell I mean, you... I, was, I was thinking either that or we could go on to a, a brand new subject. Let's do an electronic mail, first of all, because Douglas took the time to write to us. I've uh -huh. popped it up on our screen because I like playing with toys. Join us on Facebook Live. He says, on a slightly contrarian theme, there's a small voice in the back of the Ledgeco cloakroom whispering, you had a chance to pass a security bill and fulfil your constitutional obligation you blew it at least you could all control uh, he said at least you all could have control of the process just saying that's from douglas yeah well uh, i i have a different view on that <laughs> <laughs> well we just love to hear but, from but him, right? I, I i i understand what he's saying i my different view is this is you you know yes indeed hong kong could have passed the legislation that was on the table in 2003 which was very draconian. Looking back to the day, I don't think they could, if you remember how it all no, went. No, no, I'm saying in theory. <laughs> yeah, in theory, right, it, was, it, it, it was... No, they couldn't, because there were mass protests. And uh, I, I noted Regina Yip saying on, on nothing less than RTHK today that um, she doesn't think that governments should bow to pressure. Gosh, <laughs> that's an interesting view. Anyway, um, they could have done it then. But, you know, th this is the thing about bullies is once you've once you've taken taken the one black eye taken the one fractured arm yeah. taken the one kick in the ghoulies you're going to get more until you stand up to them yeah. so you know even if even if uh, the legislation had been passed in 2003 and remember it was quite draconian back then do you seriously believe for one moment that china would have exercised restraint on imposing new rules or reinterpreting the basic law as it's um, called or adding to the basic law through Annex 3, which basically in the mainland is viewed as adding whatever we like to the basic law because because we can, I think, is their argument. Yeah. Um, do you seriously think that none of that would have happened if they felt that the legislation on the books wasn't oppressive enough, didn't give sufficient flexibility for bringing the, the local Stasi into the Hong Kong system, 
did not allow for arbitrary arrests of people, did not allow for the banning of all sorts of organisations. Come on, come on, get real. Yeah, let's go back to another comment from Steve. He joins us on Morning Brew's Facebook page. Steve says, and this is interesting because it's what we just talked about. Steve, the answer is... We don't know, and nor does anybody. His question is this, Steve Wan. He says, I'm always a little confused on what would be illegal with a national security law that is currently uh, legal. Aren't there laws on the books already to prevent subversion and other threats Beijing would be concerned with? There well, you go. I'll just go and get a coffee whilst you Ain't that this. a point? <laughs> ain't that a point? Oh, there is, in fact, legislation in existence. And there was legislation under the... I'm not allowed to spit in the studio, but the colonial regime, the colonial regime... Uh, against subversion um, and you know in a system which was controlled by the rule of law rather than the rule by law yeah there is in fact a perfectly good case to be made for legislation on national security the problem is that this is not a society where uh, where the primacy of the rule of law is valued by the government mm. we still have a tattered remnant and it's a very important tattered remnant but what worries me is how little value is given to the independence of the judiciary how little value is given to the drawing of laws which are specific rather than all embracing one thing we know about this new uh, national security legislation but whenever in theory, we see we, it we don't do we, we? we don't know anything <laughs> at the moment but one thing we do know because we know how things are done in the mainland is it will be catch-all in other words, it will be non-specific, and it will basically be saying those famous chilling words that all dictators say, you know what you've done. Yeah. When the man has just been beaten up or the woman has just been beaten up in the cell and they say, what have I done? They go, you know what you've done. This is this kind of legislation. All right. Well, I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we're in a... trying to... Uh, we're in a situation now where it doesn't rain, but it pours. So we have the government describing um, a referendum as an extremist measure. So I think what they're talking about <coughs> is the proposal to have a referendum on um, whether there should be a strike against the national security laws. I mean, this is quite extraordinary. The language that is now being used by government officials when they don't like something, instead of saying, we don't like referendum, they start describing it as an extreme measure. No doubt this will be classified at one stage as a subversive measure. I mean, we're, we're on that slope. And what is so interesting is every time you hear a government official refer to the opposition, the first thing they say is these people are aiming at independence and self-determination for Hong Kong and supporting foreign intervention. Mm -hmm. Just for the record, as if it matters, but just for the record, the overwhelming bulk of the democracy movement does not advocate independence for Hong Kong. It does not advocate self-determination for Hong Kong, but it does advocate the retention of a high degree of autonomy, which was promised under the original promises given to Hong Kong by the People's Republic of China. As for foreign intervention, I mean, you can say the big lie, as Mr Goebbels reliably informed us back in the 1930s and 40s, as often as you like, mm. but still, to this day, the golden evidence, which apparently is anywhere to be found, 
about the foreign intervention that is... Oh, the is, time is, isn't right. The time isn't right, which why. is controlling these protests. Other than pointing to a few newspaper articles, and as a journalist, I know how powerful journalists are. Gosh, absolutely... I mean, you know, on a par there with, with people selling nose-picking machines on a yeah. corner. Um, anyway, uh, besides from that as evidence, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. So the big lie is, mention it as often as possible, because people sure as hell will start to believe it. And, you know, mm -hmm. it is working. I know some people who otherwise are quite reasonable, and they say to me, yeah, but surely you must condemn the foreign intervention. I said, well, if I knew what it was, I'd certainly be having a look at it. And they say, well, it's everywhere. And I go, come on, where is everywhere? I mean, you've got to be able to... If it's so all-embracing, surely... Surely you can adduce, and you'd want a to. Piece wouldn't you of say, evidence. actually, here's the evidence. Here you go. Your move. Here's the here's the um, you know the, yeah. the, the the killer killer I evidence. I want to turn back the clock to yesterday <coughs> when yes. probably uh, parents, all, a lot of parents over Hong Kong would have felt a chill, and a lot of historians would have gone right back to the 1960s. Schools asked to punish students who boycott classes. I'm looking at the article right up now on our Facebook feed. And, and in fact, they're being asked to um, punish teachers. Who, who express pro-democracy um, thoughts. They're, they're asked to um, uh, punish students who take part in... You remember there were all these um, link-hand protests in the schools, I think it was in September mm -hmm. last year. I mean, they're asking a lot of punishment to take place in schools because they've become obsessed. They, I mean, um, the Communist Party and their... Um, flag wavers here in Hong Kong have become obsessed by the idea that young people are being indoctrinated in schools not to be sufficiently patriotic and as we know the one thing that all dictatorships favour amongst everything <coughs> is, is ramping up indoctrination themselves particularly among the young you know, that's why who you have... Who aren't stupid. Who aren't stupid. I mean, but that's why you, you had the Hitler Youth in Germany, the Young Communist League in, in all the communist countries, because they firmly believe that if you've got the younger generation, you've got, you know, you've got the future. The trouble is, the younger generation in Hong Kong <coughs> have been brought up in a, an environment of thinking and challenging, and they hate that. They hate it with a passion because it isn't working. The indoctrination isn't working. There's no going back on that. These kids are really <coughs> quite what you'd call groovy, aren't they? They're, they're forward-thinking. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, um, when um, they started indoctrination in schools in, in Germany in the 1930s, of course, there had been a tradition of, e even in the Weimar Republic, of more open thought. It wasn't, you know, a, a warm, cuddly liberal democracy. Let's not kid ourselves. But there was at least... The possibility of discussion and debate in those days so you know they did actually manage to turn the clock back they did have a, a a generation all dressed up in uniforms and giving you know the nazi salute and all the rest of it i mean they did manage that for a while only for a while the reason is <coughs> it's a redundant democracy it's a, it's a sorry it's a redundant philosophy that that has a very short shelf life hmm. i think we've got time for another one steve we have have we if I've got time for a, a cough, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, get him whilst he's still alive, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, what I was thinking of, of, of talking about, again, is the 
um, another aspect of all of this, you mm -hmm. know, the tightening of the screw. And this is the demand that civil servants understand that they have to serve two masters. Well, they didn't understand the announcement. So nobody understood the announcement. I mean, you have to swear an oath of allegiance to the Hong Kong SAR. But according to Patrick Nip, blessed be his name, that doesn't um, anymore serve as a sufficient thing. He now says, I mean, it's just untrue, but you know, gosh, who's going to bother about a little detail like that, that all civil servants have to swear allegiance to the People's Republic of China? Well, actually, they don't. Maybe that's what the plan is. So now he's saying, <coughs> join the Hong Kong civil service, and you're really the same as being a civil servant on the mainland. By default. Um, there's one thing, one country, two systems, what happened to that? Yeah. All right then. Well, uh, a couple more minutes, unless you got you, you're okay. Have you got any? Have you got any go left in you? <laughs> I've got no go left in me whatsoever. Steve, it's been fun. Thank you very much. We will do it again next week. Thanks for checking us out on our Facebook page. Uh, we'll be doing the same thing next.